DJ Mina, would you like to just quickly introduce yourself? How would you describe the kind of the kind of um, performer that you are? Um, well, I'm a I'm a DJ, I suppose. Um, I do like to try and bring some energy, but I'm a little bit shy still behind the decks. So, um, but yeah, no, I tend to play um, anything that I would kind of like see my little cousins or my mum or my brother like dancing to sort of thing. Like if I think that they dance to it, I'll probably play it. So. Again, it's likely to be like Afrobeat, Gom, Afro House, just like classics to kind of modern things as well, the artists in the sort of African diaspora playing as well. That's really important to me. Um, because, I mean, nowadays in Nigeria, we only tend to play our own music as opposed to playing um, things imported from America or the UK. We like to sort of stick with our own artists. So that's kind of the energy I want to bring. Um, but I like to open it up as well. So bring things from anywhere in Brazil. Um, a little bit of, uh, oh, what's the name of this? What's the name of the genre called now? Um, I'm not going to remember, but anything that's sort of influenced <laughs> by, you know, like rhythmic drumming and, you know, like African vocals and that sort of thing, I like to pull into my music and what I play. So, yeah. Very cool. Um, so, obviously, we know each other uh, previously from, from university, yeah. and I knew you as a DJ then, but for yeah. sort of the very, very different um, sort true. of like rock yeah. folk DJing, is that, was that when DJing started for you, or had you been doing that before you, you went to Surrey? Oh, no, I started in Surrey. Um, you started there? Uh, yeah, I did. So, when I joined No Wave, um, which was where we met in No Wave, um, it was, there was like, like a, a call for like people to just come and practice DJing in um I think it wasn't called the basement back then it was called something else no, but I remember like going down on my own with my little CDs that I'd burnt because like that's what you're supposed to do and yeah we sort of turned up this said bring some tracks you want to play it can be anything just you know obviously alternative metal rock ska punk that sort of thing and off I went with I can't remember what I played but you know how to go on the CDJs I think there some decks that were there you pop your CD in, pop one CD in one and pop another CD in that. And all you had to do was just move the slider. And um, I loved it. Like I was like, I was like making playlists and stuff. So that for me was quite, quite a pivotal moment. It was quite, um, quite cool. And then did obviously did some DJing as well with, um, with my friend Irene. Um, we used to like, cause now what I call is, you know, B2Bs, back to backs, you know, so no wave nights and stuff. So that was really my in into it. And, uh, Kind of hoping to segue a little bit back towards like alternative stuff as well at some point in the future, but that's where it all started, I guess. Yeah. So, um, so off the back of that, then did that that was like, like an initial sort of real attraction to it. You found a passion for DJing. Yeah. Um, was it then straight away you started going off sort of outside of the uni setting to do um, other things and to DJ some sort of the the, the more um, dance orientated stuff that you do now? Uh, is that something that happened sort of much much later? When when do what's the transition between uh, yeah. Amina the No Wave DJ and Amina the Afrobeat and Gom DJ? Yeah, that's I mean that's interesting because of course like I thought that was what I was going to play forever even when I started. Mm. So I suppose what happened was I did that with No Wave for a few years while I was there and while I was able to, um, and then of course you know education gets in the way mm. <laughs> it's not supposed to be like that but of course like you know your degree gets in the way I went away to Spain. I came back and of course like things kind of shifted a bit so I wasn't really able to like get back into DJing the way that I wanted to mm. and then I left uni and I was jobless for like quite a while I mean if there's longer periods of time out there but for me it was really hard I was you know I was out of a job or didn't have mm. a job when I graduated for maybe somewhere like nine months um mm. I just didn't have anything going on at all 
Um, and then I saw an ad that someone had reposted on, on Facebook saying they were looking for DJs. And I'm like, okay, this could be a thing. And I left it for a bit. And then I came back to it and I thought, well, I may as well just give it a go. Like, I know my way around a pair of decks kind of like with just transitions and stuff. So I'll see what it's like. And I just signed up for it. It was kind of like one of those things. If you've ever job hunted for any period of time, it doesn't matter if it's a month or two months or a year, it's really demoralizing. Um, so getting back into it was kind of like, wow, I actually found something that I'm actually okay at. I'm pretty, you know, I'm at least passionate about it. And I thought, well, this is my chance to kind of like open up and play other stuff that I like to listen to as well. And kind of like walk it back a little bit to my roots, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, the, the songs that my mum would play in the car, like things I enjoyed at uni, like um, kind of like Afrobeat that I'd kind of, you know, kind of pushed away for a while because I wanted to explore other things. So that was quite fun, actually. And I think I, I don't think I played that much Afrobeat, to be fair, in my first gig. I think I played some trap. I think I played uh, some other things like R&B, but I just played what I thought would sound good because that's what I didn't know with. I just always played what I thought the audience might like to hear and went down okay. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of like the transition, I guess. It was kind of just thinking, well, I'm more than just this you know, kind of like alternative person who likes this kind of music. Yeah, so this all, you, you, you moved back to Sheffield uh, at that point yep. then? Yep, so um, yeah, after uni I moved back to Sheffield, uh, which is where I spent a lot of my life, pretty much, like 20-odd <laughs> years, I guess. <laughs> so yeah. What is your musical history then, if you want to do like a quick sort of... Yeah, sure. Fact box um, sort of style. What what are, the, what are the sort of the key discoveries for you, I guess, in terms of sounds that you've, you've, that's, really, that's really engaged you? Yeah, no, that's that's a good question as well. Like, I think it was weird because growing up with my mum when she used to like drive us to school and stuff when we were younger, my mum is a huge like music fan, and you know she always asked me like, how did you become a DJ? And I'm thinking like, how did I not? <laughs> um, because she is such a such a big music fan. She's got like speakers and everything. Um, so she used to play like a lot of like rap music in the car. I don't know if I should admit this. I don't know if kids should be listening to like X-rated rap lyrics in the car, but we did. We sang along. It was great. Um, and she always used to have the the music channel on, and you know, used to play it and just bang it out. And she used to have, like R and B hits, and then some dance hits from when she was younger as well. So we kind of like grew up with a little bit of that. Um, and then I remember like hearing, um, oh god, I'm going to admit this on podcast, aren't I? Uh, I remember hearing things like Nickelback when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> Not Nickelback. Everyone's just like cringe listening to this, but that and um. The song, like, In the Shadows by the Rasmus when I was younger as well. Mm. Um, and then I was like, well, I really, I actually really dig this and I really like it. So I was, like, really into it, um, but kind of, like, on the down low because it wasn't really something we listened to in the house. I was like, oh, okay, this stuff's great. Um, I'm not sure what you're looking for in terms of musical history. I just remember that those are pivotal because I do remember watching them on the TV and thinking... Like, this is cool, and this is something I really want to get into. Um, and, you know, I'd, I'd fi try and find ways to listen to it. I'd, you know, when YouTube was a thing, I managed to, like, find copies of it on YouTube as I got older. And then I got an iPod and sort of expanding that, but I kind of went more down, like, an alternative route. I'm not quite sure why. I think, you know, angsty teen thing mm. kind of popped in there, and you just listen to stuff that resonates with you. And a lot of that for me when I was younger was metal, rock, you know, punk, just hardcore stuff um, as well. And it really resonated with me. And that's, I'm like, I can easily say it's what I listen to for like anywhere from like 14 to like 16 for like two years. I would listen to like anything else. 
Mm. Um, Because I just thought that this is my personality now. This is who I am. Like, you know, and I did like the other stuff, but I mainly identified as someone who was like, you know, proper metalhead. Like, and I had all the friends to go with it as well. We used to like hang out and listen to all the music together and, you know, and sort of, I used to wish as well I could go to the gigs, but it's kind of a hard thing to explain to your African parents that you want to um, (laughs) go to a metal gig. It's kind of like a, it's, it's not really... I don't know. There's probably loads of people out there that are like me who like alternative music but might grow up in a household where you just don't, you know, it might be deemed as like demonic or something that's mm. dark and evil so you don't really listen to it. But um, I used to find that music like that always resonated with me because it, it was more than that. It was always about like, you know, raw feelings and emotions, not like love songs and pop songs you hear on the radio that I just didn't resonate with me. Um, and then... I don't know, I suppose uni hit and A-levels hit and just things changed a bit. Like, you start listening to what everyone else is listening to. You go out, you know, every now and again on a night out maybe and you'll hear something like, oh, that sounds good, like sonically, and then you'll get into it more. Um, So that's when I I guess I kind of branched back out into, like, grime and hip-hop in the UK, like, hip-hop scene. So I really got into grime when I was at uni. I still wasn't into any electronic music at this point. Like it, it was just not my thing, which is really weird for me to be sat now as like the kind of DJ I am to say that I just wasn't really into like techno or anything like you know what I mean, like gom or anything like that or house. Like just not my thing. Like I would never sit and listen to it. Um, but I was really into grime, hip hop. Still really into metal. Um, and yeah, that was kind of like kind of like a mini journey through all the ages I guess of like different things I would listen to and and why and I suppose where we're up to nowadays is just anything that sounds good and especially if it's like a if it's an electronic track I always look for things like you know what's the bass like can I transition into it what song would sound good with it and my brain just kind of goes down that rabbit hole and I still do the same with like some alternative music I found some new stuff as well and I'm thinking oh if I was like still DJing with no wave like would this sound good would this um, you know, transition well. Like, does it fit the mood and that sort of thing? So, I don't. I had the same thing as you that I went through a period where I was listening to nothing but metal. Mm-hmm. And it's not. Oh, I say that. Even that, that's not strictly true. But I definitely based my identity around it. It was yeah. predominant. It wasn't all I listened to because I heard other things and that I didn't stop liking things that I'd liked before. And yeah, nowadays I'm yeah I listen to a lot more sort of much more mellow stuff than I was then. A lot more sort of indie and psychedelic stuff but then also some much more extreme stuff that i was listening to then as well like noise and all the sort of things some of that stuff's really interesting though yeah a couple of weird gigs as well where you're just i don't know people just do the maddest things with like sound and you just Mm. sat there like this is it's it's weird but it's art and it makes sense in its own little context but it's just weird like i do like Mm. it i find it quite interesting um i went to a gig where this lady basically played like a metronome mm. and then she had like a, a trumpet and she'd just blow out one note over and over again but with like different tempos and it was weird. I was just, we all just stood there like watching her. It was like wild. Um, it was great though, but I was like... You transfixed on this. <laughs> yeah, it was really mesmerizing, even though just outside of the context of like we're in um, this venue called Hatch and you usually find the weirdest acts at Hatch in Sheffield and it's a really cool venue actually. Um, but yeah, you always find the weirdest stuff, and we were like transfixed on this lady with this trumpet. Um, was it a saxophone? <laughs> something, like, <laughs> something loud and brassy, anyway. <laughs> the metronome, and that was it. Cool. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about gong music then, 
Gotham is really, really the reason why this interview is happening because I, yeah. I, I can't really say that I paid much attention to to the DJ stuff you were doing. I think I just, I just seen. Oh, is a friend doing a DJ thing? Oh, like that? Cool. Occasionally see a post that like there was like a an artsy photo of you on a poster. It's like, oh, cool. She's doing well. She's doing <laughs> artsy things, but not had any more engagement with than that. And it was a couple of weeks ago that you posted a post about Gotham. I was like, what? What is that? That yeah. then led me down a, a sort of a Wikipedia. Like yeah. rabbit hole. I was listening to a bit of it, and then just early today, I was listening to your, um, to your mix for who was it? I can't remember now. Food hall. Was food it hall. Food hall radio. Food yeah. hall radio. It's some really, really cool stuff. So, yeah. and, and here's you. This a good contact I have to um, <laughs> express this music that I, I have no clue about. I've never heard of it, yeah. and. Um, which is awesome, and I love that. I love discovering all this new sort of stuff. And yeah, it's it's interesting. It, it seems to me it has got this sort of it's got aspects of techno in there, and it's got some little yeah. sort of trancey type synths and stuff. Yeah. But then yeah. just these fantastic African rhythms of rejection of the you know the standard four to the floor dance music that we're all sort of used to. And it's interesting that you, I mean, you talk about it in terms of something that you've just sort of fallen into because that's exactly how it happened with me. Like I remember I played this gig like last June. And I just played like a lot of like more Afro house. So definitely not gone. I didn't know anything about it, but it was leaning towards that. You know, it was heavy influence from like South African producers. Um, and they were like, "Have you ever heard of Gom?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> like, what do you mean? I've never heard of this in my life. And then I found some, and I wasn't that into it. Funnily enough, fast forward a few months, and I find this um, basically find this collective um, of producers and DJs who've created like you know music and they've pioneered it you know it's anywhere from dj lag rude boys I, I mean i'll play them a lot pretty much citizen boy like all these producers are things that i will play quite regularly because they've basically pioneered the the genre and it's fairly it's fairly new in the history and context of music i should say but i guess you could say that with most genres it's quite a lot of mm. genres we'll hear about and they're fairly new but um it's mainly sort of electronic dance music and it's basically originating from Durban in South Africa um, and it's sort of like a community that you know came up with this style and I, I find it quite distinctive from other styles of let's call it I suppose like African music so anything from like Afrobeat to Afro House in the sense that it's quite dark um, I find it and I find it really sort of hypnotic in that way because I do like things of the darker persuasion I guess like you know I'm really into like metal and like sort of darker themes so when I heard that and I hear like African beats together it's like you know I just feel like this is everything I've wanted to embody in like my performing and stuff because mm. it's it's how I would describe myself you know I, I think that I you know I just feel like in terms of my taste and things it pulls everything together so perfectly um it's quite rhythmic um, it has themes of like maybe chants and screaming and then some other kind of like techno mainstays like chugs and then the beats and stuff so and the bass I feel like Gone pulls together the stuff I love the most and that of course as well paired with like you know I sort of mentioned at the beginning like oh this is what I'd imagine like my mum and my brother dancing mm. to like you know there's there's like movements and you know that sort of thing and dancing associated with it that I just find really mesmerising um, as well and I, I guess it's just yeah I think that's kind of gone. It's very well. The ones that I've found and the ones that I like the most are quite minimal, mm. quite repetitive, um, but they're quite, you know, they're quite sort of heavy and a bit darker, perhaps in terms of theme. So yeah, um, it's quite a cool genre. I think I it feel is. Like. Yeah, 
yeah. really like it a lot. I think I, I, I've always listened to electronic music, but I sort of really started getting into techno when I lived in Denmark. Oh, no. Because yeah. there was a big techno scene, oh, it was a big scene in yeah. Europe in general that just doesn't really exist in the UK yeah. um, as much. London's got a bit of a techno scene, um, yeah. but I've not really found much in the way. But uh, I lived in a city called Aarhus, and they had this thing called the Aarhus Techno District, mm-hmm. and they were putting on events all over. And all I think the first yeah. it was the first night out I went on in, in Aarhus was a rave in a in a youth church building. Yeah. Um, cool. As part That's of this beautiful. this festival week of just events, free yeah. and cheap events all over the city and they had tents in all the parks and they closed down streets and they had bars everywhere and because it's Europe you can That's drink amazing. in the street and no one cares. So you just oh. wander around these events and <laughs> yeah they were doing these really really cool dark minimal techno events that I'd never heard dance music like it. I was used to dance music being sort of bubblegum yeah. sort of sugary yeah boring and this was like right. and I, I i feel the same way about like, discovering this sort of this gum stuff through you that it has so sort of this gum discovering this gum i'm sorry it sounds like some granddad <laughs> who do i think i am <laughs> discovering all this gum stuff but you know what <laughs> um but yeah it's glitchy and like yeah it's minimal and it's a very very modern sounding very yeah. current sounding music and despite that, still uses all of these traditional vocals yes. and rhythms and clapping and chanting, and that's yep. something that feels very earthy and human with all these really glitchy mm-hmm. future sounds. As far as I understand and my understanding of where electronic music came from, I mean, it again, it's one of those things that originated with us, and it's kind of coming back full circle. Like, um, there are quite a few pioneers in sort of dance music, so if you think about your 80s dance music, like... Um, I'm going to get it so wrong. Uh, my mum's going to come up here and she's going to yell at me because <laughs> this is her thing. Um, but, like, you know, it was popularised and house music was popularised by black people. It was, right. you know, originated in, um, I think it mo- more or less originated in America, perhaps areas like Detroit and stuff. I might be wrong. Um, so it's interesting that we call it quite, a, uh, I suppose it is sort of westernised by default because, of course, it was created in, in America, but it's, you know, black people who popularised it and created it. And then all of a sudden it has been sort of ripped away from its roots in terms of house mm. and techno. And you'll see a lot of these house and techno sort of collaboratives full of mainly white DJs playing things like jungle, playing things like house and not really understanding or maybe even considering the fact that what they're playing has come from the roots of the African diaspora whilst simultaneously shutting them out of these places. And um, I guess I'm kind of going off in a little bit of a tangent here because but, it's, a li- it's talking about kind of the isolation between what we what we define as like sort of westernized um dance music and i'm gonna get this wrong and there's so many people out there who know this inside out up and down more than i do but just looking in and being part of the dj community and seeing um kind of how like black creators are treated within the genre that was popularized by the people of the same skin color makes me really upset because you know um you've got these houses that take something and they think well this is techno this is you know it's it's European, it's Western, and you know somehow it's it's dominated by by white males in the industry. Whereas it was black women who really pulled this to the forefront of and made it what it is today. Um, and I think I find it interesting that we're coming back to pulling those aspects into, you know, these creators from Durban in South Africa have created something that in a weird kind of loop <laughs> links back to them and links back to the mm-hmm. diaspora all over again and it's it's kind of heartwarming to see it in that way because when you think about these techniques and you think about the um, elements they're pulling into the music it it all started from one place um, and so 
I guess me as someone who lives in the Western world and kind of sees these two things as almost separate and I still sort of do I'm only still learning that you know these things come from a black background there's a lot of mm. black history intertwined with like techno music and house music and of course GOM is very much you know kind of like an offshoot of like Afro house and South African house um, as well so seeing those things as kind of separate entities but pulled into one I guess kind of mirrors you know, a little bit of that split that I have of feet in two different places. I've got my foot mm. in my Nigerian culture, which is, you know, my Afrobeats and all that stuff. And I've got my foot in house music and electronic music. And I guess it's kind of like me understanding that, well, those two things can go hand in hand and there's nothing wrong with that. There's no there's no real conflict in that. It is only mm. by the lines mm. that are drawn by Western society that there's a conflict there for some reason. But really, you know, we, we're seen as maybe a little bit alternative, a bit different for like playing the music that we play. Like, I don't know what we're expected to play. Is it R&B? Is it, you know, like grime and stuff? What, you know, but really like this music came from people who looked like us, you know, mm -hmm. and that's so powerful. And I know that it's, it, I, I know that it doesn't mean the world also to look like someone who did something, but it means a lot when you're looking up to people in the industry. And I know that, um, yeah, I've been quite lucky to also have, um, met some people within sort of the DJ industry um, that have given me that sort of like, well, actually, I belong here kind of thing. When you go to mm. when you go to a couple of things and you're like, um, for example, I'm I'm going to play at No Bounds this Sunday. I hope works. Which you know the lineups I've seen are typically quite white, male, mm. and I've played for places like Groundwork and and all sorts of different things across Sheffield and. Um, I'll also acknowledge I've been quite spoilt as well because I've played with Girl Sheffield. So this is a place for like um, just women and non-binary DJs to come in and play what they want, really. And that space has been quite diverse. So I have been quite lucky. Um, but moving out and branching into these spaces where it's very much more techno. So I don't really play like things like Afrobeat there. I don't feel comfortable doing so. Um, but it's also quite white male dominated. And it's sometimes quite interesting to see the the two split out a little bit like this is what techno looks like to everyone else and this is what techno and electronic music looks like to me it's diverse mm -hmm. there's there's black women in it there's so many different genres that come out of it that are just as valid and then this whole other world that looks a little bit intimidating to me that i still need to navigate through and i guess that kind of represents a little bit of me being a black african in the uk especially in the north as well um sort of just navigating and feeling trying to find a way to be comfortable in this space and I feel like GOM allows me to do that a little bit it's like African influence plus things that people recognize and things that people can understand as well so I feel like the two together work really well how do you identify yeah. with with your heritage what does it mean to you in the present mm -hmm. um yeah I think that um I tend to define myself as a British I can't speak. British born Nigerian. Why is British so hard to say? British born <laughs> Nigerian. Um, and that, I think that's the most accurate description. Um, I was born here, um, but I have Nigerian blood. I'm technically a second generation immigrant. Um, my parents weren't born here, so they were born in Nigeria and they came here and they have me. So um, I feel like that is the most accurate description. Um, I wouldn't go as far, I think, to, to you know, define myself any further than that because... Uh, Largely because I'm not sure if society is going to be okay with that. <laughs> like, if I were to, like, I, I'm, I'm British from the sense of like, 
I've existed within British society mm. for 24 years of my life. You know, I've I've never lived for a long period of time anywhere else. Um, so it's funny because people think like, oh, you should, you know, you should know these things about British culture. And I'm like, well, that's true. I have lived here for 24 years of my life, but I grew up in a Nigerian household. So there's right, some right. things that I'm just not going to get taught. I'm never going to, like tiny little things like, um, gosh, we have this debate all the time. And of course, like, what is it? Breakfast, dinner, and then tea. I'm going to get that wrong. Like we just don't call it, I don't, I don't call it that. And everyone well, is like, what are you talking about? You've lived here. 24 years of your life it's not breakfast lunch and dinner it's breakfast dinner tea and i'm like no it's not it's lunch and dinner that's a north <laughs> south like, thing yeah that is a north south thing as well but like also like generalized english as well that we use mm. in nigeria is also lunch and dinner so that's how i know it from right from like home and that just gets completely anything else i learned from outside just gets erased because i think you know my parents had a really big influence on me and how i was brought up so um, <laughs> it is it is a bit interesting like little things that i just like do you guys I think I remember learning mm. what a tenor was for the first time in my life when I was 12. I didn't know what a tenor right. meant or like, you know, a fiver. I was like, what does that mean? And they're like, it just means a £10 note. Like tiny, tiny little things mm. where I'm like, oh, wait, hang on. I'm not like English. I am Nigerian because, you know, the little things I just don't recognize that mm. are such mainstays in British culture that... I I just don't know them and I'm still learning them as I grow older because um, I was born in a Nigerian household um, which you know also means that I say things that people have never really thought about before as well and they're like oh actually <laughs> didn't think about it like that before or like you know sleepovers for example like it's just not a Nigerian thing to do really you don't go over to people's houses and sleepovers like it was a war between me and my mom growing up where it was right. like a completely normal thing for absolutely everyone else so my parents are like, I, I do not understand what you mean by the concept of a sleepover. Just come home at midnight. Like, they didn't get it. Like, so there are some elements where I'm like, I am very, very Nigerian. And then I'll say something to my parents and I'm like, wait a minute, I am quite British <laughs> in this point. And sometimes they are very sharp and distinct things as well. Like, there's no, there's not much of a, there is a blend, of course. But I guess, I guess one, one thing you have to understand as well is that I've also, I don't have that many black friends <laughs> so right. I don't know also as well like what it means to like apart from my own experience to be like black and British without like reading about it mm. um, and of course the plenty of people are second-gen immigrants but I've got some black friends as well but they will probably be in the same most of them are in the same boat as me where they don't have many other black friends as well right so I guess I don't have that to bounce off from other people mm. I just have other white people around me to bounce off from yeah. if that makes sense which is fine. I don't. I don't mind. I think it's you know. There's lots of things I've learned as, as a result of it. But I think when people ask me like, what is it? What does it mean to you to be like black and British? And I, mm. all I can talk about is my little experiences and, oh, and yeah. what I've seen. And I guess anyone can. But then I'm also distinctly aware that I have not been able to bounce off any of these things with other people that much. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that they're quite. I would say for me, it's quite a sharp, distinct thing. Um, there isn't too much of a blend and most of the things that most maybe second-gen immigrants can relate about is how we were brought up you know it's mm. things like i don't know um having r&b hits on a saturday morning when your mum wants to clean that sort of thing and you yeah. know any other african person listening to this will resonate with that quite strongly you know because it's quite a mainstay in our households you know um so yeah i think that they are quite quite distinct but also um they are quite interesting to kind of explore as you kind of go along through it. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was wondering whether, whether the, um, 
the move to um, DJing Afrocentric uh, mm-hmm. music was for you a part of sort of rediscovering this, but I think from what you're yeah. talking about, it sounds like it's just it's just such a part of your identity. It's not even necessarily something you consider about being mm. in or out of touch with. It's yeah. just it just is what what you, it just you know it's just there. It's just your yeah. your cultural background. That's true, and I guess for a little while, I kind of I didn't reject it as such. I just didn't. Whenever I used to like hear it, it used to make me feel a little bit kind of like strange because at least with like metal and stuff, I'd found my little community, if that makes sense. Mm. But I didn't really have anyone to talk about Afrobeats with. So I just Mm. didn't and I didn't put any focus on it. And growing up, I was like, oh, I've missed out on so much by doing that because there's so much good stuff out there and I've missed out on so much. So part of it was a little bit of me going back and saying, right, actually, (laughs) you know, this is where you come from. Why don't you go and listen to it and see what artists are doing on the ground in Nigeria right now and Mm. pull a little bit, pull a little bit of it back into your life because sometimes I do feel a little bit distant from that side of me, I guess, a little bit. But that's changed a lot these days. Um, Mm. But it was definitely a thing when I was younger. I was like, wow, like, I don't, I feel like, um, I feel like I'm not going to fit in if this is all I listen to sort of thing, whereas I knew I had friends of you know who liked a particular genre that i could talk to them with about and relate with them about it if that makes mm. sense yeah, yeah. all right i want to sort of take a, a sort of a hard left turn now Ooh. um <laughs> and talk about your experience of, of being a teetotaler um operating in a space that in a, in a in industry and in a culture that yeah. very much pushes intoxication as a integral part of, yeah. of the experience of the dance music and the club scene yeah, yeah. intoxication is is at the core of it and at the it, core of creating a lot of the music as well so um i'm really interested what your what your experience is as a sort of the antithesis to that yeah it's really it's a little bit weird actually because like i didn't realize how pervasive that kind of culture and it sounds so naive and it's my naivety because honestly like i don't go out out that much you know like mm. back in the day before corona when you go out out <laughs> um, <laughs> i wouldn't go out out a lot you see because I, I mean a because i don't really drink so i can't let go of little things like people touching me or like mm. spilling drinks on me was i think maybe when you're slightly intoxicated you just don't really think about it that much but those things really get to me so i just didn't go out out that much but now that i dj and i am out out um sometimes i'll leave straight after my set sometimes i'll hang about i was like a little bit surprised to kind of See, I'm going to sound like such a grandma. Some of the drug culture that takes place. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, you know, you know, there's talk about, oh, you know, like, I took some K or I took this or I took that. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like, okay, I'm just going to stand over here with my can of Coke and, you know, and vibe. Um, you know, because I, again, it's not something I'm interested in doing at this, mm. po- at this point in my life. I'm not interested in, in any of that, to be honest. And that's fine. Um, and there are lots of people who are, and that's also fine. Um, I don't particularly need it to enjoy um the kind of events that i go to these days as well when it comes to like you might call a rave (laughs) um you know they play sort of really interesting music so i'm sort of like stood there like having a good time listening before my set or maybe i think earlier this year i went to manchester to see one of my friends play and they were amazing um and i was sort of just taking it in and everyone's like are you okay and i'm like i'm fine i'm just stood here listening to the to the vibes and the music it's great um but they were like are you sure you're okay because they must have looked like blanked out or something <laughs> and they must have thought i was on something but i'm but i'm not and more and more with these spaces like i tend to find that people find it weirder that you don't drink than than if you do 
Um, which, you know, I kind of get it. You're in that kind of space. As you said, it's quite pervasive. It's quite locked into the culture. You know, you go out, you have a, you have a few cans. You, get, you might get drunk. You might, like, take something, and that's fine. But um, I feel like it's almost a bit weirder not to do that. But on the other hand, I've met a lot of people who also just don't drink as well. Mm. And I feel like more and more people are just, you know, not really interested in getting... Re Maybe it's just because I'm getting older. I mean, I'm 24, I guess. Mm -hmm. You know, the older you get, I guess. I'm not that old, am I? Someone's going to listen to this. Like, <laughs> You're only 24. Shut up. Um, <laughs> but perhaps, you know, as we kind of get a little bit older, people are just less inclined to do these things because it's longer to recover or it's mm. expensive. Um, but I've often found quite a good reception to it as well. So when I'm DJing with Girl in Sheffield at Food Hall, whoop, whoop, uh, shout out Food Hall, shout out Girl, Sheffield. <laughs> um, uh, we, you know, it's kind of like a really open, loving space. It's BYOB, which kind of mm. takes the pressure off as well because I can just bring, I think I had a smoothie at one point. It was great. I think I brought a, a latte at one point. It was fab. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. You just, you think you bring what you want. Everyone just has a great time. There's no kind of pressure surrounding it. Like mm. someone might offer you something, but you can say no, and it's not big, not really a big deal. So, I found a lot of comfort in those spaces because they are open, non-judgmental, you know, queer-friendly as well, and it, all of it just comes together to make such a loving, supportive space. Mm. Um, and I, I really respect, um, you know, Food Hall and Girl for making that space available as well. Because for me, it's like okay, I can step in here and. If I mess up on the decks, no one's going to care. If I'm not drinking, no one's going to care. Like, everyone's just going to be fine with it. Like, I think I've messed up on the decks before and they've cheered or clapped or something. And it's <laughs> fine. Like, no one gives a crap. Like, just play the music. Like, it's great. Um, you know, and then, you know, you go to some other venues and, of course, it's a little bit heavier, especially the ones in Manchester because, of course, I've never been out in Manchester in my life. And, of course, I went on my ones. All because I just wanted to see my friend and I thought that this yeah. would be an okay thing to do. But it's a bit weird. Um, to not drink, to go on your own, <laughs> as, mm. I've, as I've discovered. Um, but um, I don't really find it makes an impact on what I play. Sometimes it kind of comforts me a little bit if I'm playing quite late. I think if everyone's had enough to drink, then they're not going to notice any mistakes I make. Mm. Um, so that's quite comforting sometimes. But other than that, I think that a lot of people, yeah, some people can not, maybe not understand initially. Um, but for the most part, people are quite accepting and almost like, oh, I wish I didn't drink and stuff like that. But mm. at the end of the day, you do you and, you know, make sure you're safe and you keep other people safe. And I'm I'm okay with it personally. I don't really mind. But, um, yeah, music-wise, it doesn't really have too much of an impact. And, yeah. yeah. What do you think the benefit is to you? I think I, I say on a personal level, I am someone who... If I like something, I will keep doing the thing. <laughs> so, like, especially like things like food or like you know music and stuff like that. I I have like a what well, I I guess how do I describe it properly? I don't want to say I have a, an addictive personality. I just know that if I start something, I'm not going to stop. Mm. So I always have that fear that if I start like if I ever try these things, if I do them, I just feel like I'm gonna take it too far, and I don't ever want to put myself in that kind of position. I think. Um, I think that also that's just something that, I mean, when you when you take a certain substance as well, um, whether or not they're they're addictive or not, inherently within that chemical substance, we're getting really sciencey into it. Um, there's always a risk that you know you're going to, I don't know, push it to its limit to a point where it's not healthy for you. And I already do that with lots of things, to be honest, like with training and exercise mm -hmm. and. And food and and all sorts of things. I just feel as though I don't need to add another thing. I need to to watch a little bit. I think that's kind of like the core of it, to be honest. For me, 
there are some other personal reasons. I am also religious. I'm Muslim. Uh, I was raised Muslim, and I still practice as much as I can as well. So it's really important to me as well for that for that regard. But I mean, I say that, and I'm not the most perfect Muslim in the world either. Like I don't do things exactly by the book, which is something I work on all the time. But it is the one thing I've sort of made sure that I haven't broken, if that makes sense. And mm. I think that's why it's really important to me as well. There's religious aspect, and there's also a personal aspect to it as well because. There's plenty of other things I do that aren't necessarily very religious. So, um, you know, things like DJing, you know, there's, it's not written in there that we should go out and mix things on a pair of decks in front of a bunch of people who are drunk and intoxicated. <laughs> um, so it doesn't exactly adhere to the, to the tenets of my faith, but um, I feel like as long as I'm responsible with it and I'm aware and I'm sort of mindful of what I'm doing as well, um, that's important to me. And it also kind of plays into the music that I play as well. Like, even within, like, going back to metal and stuff, like, you know, if the lyrics are quite, you know, a little bit, take it a bit too far, with, you know, with regards to, like, religion or faith or mm. God, I kind of don't really listen to them. I don't put those things in my playlist because they're not something that resonate with me at all. So mm. I'm not going to put anything that would kind of be blasphemous or something along those lines. So that goes with even Gom and Afrobeat. Um, it's something I'm very conscious of. And it's if I'm not going to listen to it, then I'm not going to make other people listen to it as well. Mm. Um, you know, just because that's just how I think I should operate. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, it's kind of like interlinked with a bunch of other things that I kind of carry within myself to kind of quote unquote stay true to myself, I guess, because um, it's really important for me. I'm glad you brought up religion. Because um, yeah. there's something else I wanted to talk about, about your faith, yeah. about how that plays a role in your music. And you've kind of said a lot of that already. You, you kind of see your, your DJing as something not against, but something that sort of exists sort of counter to your yeah. um, to your faith. You don't see it as a as a spiritual experience. That music isn't something that's spiritual for you. Um, I think that I would like to see it as such, but it kind of it kind of conflicts with what I identify already as spirituality. So before music, of course, like you know, there's for me there's religion, and so I sort of attribute that to kind of be like um, you know my my spiritual experience. Whereas with music, I do find that I can kind of it's gonna sound so new agey but like transcend mm. <laughs> um do you know what i mean so i yeah, feel like absolutely. i can fully lose myself in music as well um but in a completely different way um i think that it's it's kind of quite a it's quite a physical reaction for me as well sometimes like i'll get goosebumps and do you know what i mean like, you, you, like it's mm. a completely different kind of thing when it comes to music for me um it's it's still i think yeah, I don't tie it too much with spirituality, um, but it is something that is pretty close in my, I guess, um, in my in my life for me. Because um, it's the one thing that's pulled me through outside of religion, through a mm. lot of things, music, um, so many things, and it's the one thing I can rely on as well. I was I wanted to ask about the Girl Collective, and you sort of talked about oh, them quite yeah. a lot and explained a good bit about what they are. But um, yeah, I think that's something really, really cool and interesting. Um, if you had anything else to say about about the Girl Collective, um, yeah. your work with them, I personally don't feel like women have always supported women or queer people as much as we could do. We're quite competitive. We can be quite competitive in and with within each other, like. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know if you know what I mean. You're not a girl. No, <laughs> but no, what I mean to say is, yeah. Like, yeah, between women, we can we can get a little bit competitive with, within each other, which, you know, is made, well, partially reinforced by the patriarchy and patriarchal values and stuff. Um, but within this community, there is absolutely none of that at all. There is no 
competition. It's just sort of really healthy space to express yourself. And there's no sort of, there's no cattiness within it, which can of, you can often find that within like, you know, quote unquote girl groups. But of course, this is mm. a space for not only just women, but also um, non-binary people as well. Um, and it's just way more open space. And you do find some spaces that will tout themselves to be, you know, non-binary friendly, but they only want certain kinds of non-binary people in there. Whereas girl, I've just found to be completely open, completely understanding and incredibly supportive. And I've met all kinds of people from people who have never DJed before to people who have been in the game for years. And that breadth of experience just opens up um, so much opportunity for growth and learning and sort of just, hyping each other up like to kind of pull it away from all of that we just absolutely hype each other up like it's mm. almost it's almost obscene <laughs> like we're sort of really really just into one another winning and i absolutely love it it's great and through them as well i've gotten you know like actual opportunities outside of girl as well because you know we're kind of a collective and they will sort of you know people will come to our events people will hear about us and people might you know do a call i want you know i need an afrobeat dj and they'll come to us and they'll find me and through that, I've actually found, like, weirdly enough, paid opportunities within, like, my first year of DJing, which mm. is really, really rare. Like, I didn't realize just how weird and rare it was to get, you know, featured in places and, like, guest, like, all this kind of stuff. And I could be wrong. Maybe it's something that's quite normal. But I will find, I do find that it's, you know, Meg and Emily, um, who run Girl, shout out, <laughs> um, mm. have been incredible at sort of, you know, helping us get set up in completely different places negotiating with people to say well look she needs this and she needs this like can you get this set up and helping us you know be, do the best that we can and showing up as well which is so important um and i really respect them for that um i've also met some amazing djs like gracie t i've met um people like um like zoran and tiger as well like i, I know if they ever listen to this they're going to be like you pronounced my name wrong i'm sorry but they <laughs> are both they are both incredible people um like uh, they've been featured in things such as like resident advisor they've got residencies oh, with the it's mad like a lot of these like a lot of these people that i've met are absolutely incredible um and yeah we just built a really awesome community from them and there's so many other people i want to shout out um like phoebe as well like an incredible dj she's amazing um and just people like that just really inspire me we sort of feed off one another as well like you know i've had people like text me and i'll do like a radio show and it's up at like midnight and someone will stay up and listen to it and say like that was amazing and i'm like literally crying tears like you stayed up to hear me like on the radio it's wild um <laughs> i say the girl in general has just been just a wonderful space for someone especially kind of you know when i was in a really dark low time as well with like job hunting and stuff to have people kind of believe in you in that way wild like absolutely wild um and yeah i really i really respect them and i love them so much <laughs> um for that as well so yeah no that's the girl collective and there's a page you can follow the page um we they usually put on events at food hall as well in sheffield um but yeah you'll probably see us popping about in different places um probably different people from girl representing girl as well i guess we've got to talk about the the inevitable the the impact of, of covid19 on your oh operations as a, as a dj but first of all how, how have you found how did you find the lockdown i know it seems like a little bit of a distant memory now um in some ways and also that we're still in amongst it all in yeah. many many others but how, how have you found the whole the whole thing and how has it impacted you as a as a creative person and uh, as a performer yeah um it's weird i think that because i am just kind of um 
I mean, in June, I kind of, no, in April, I would have done like one whole year back in the DJ scene, I guess. So it's kind of a weird time to be struck down in my such an early career time. I mean, I'm going to sound so dramatic about it, but um, I think lockdown in general, sort of starting with that, I think it came at a pretty okay time for me. And I, I feel really guilty saying that because I know so many people struggle with it. And I, I did have my own struggles with it too. Um, of course, I was living in York at the time and I'm also a consultant. So I used to travel everywhere. I think, well, January, February and March, I was barely living in York. I was living in hotels across mm. the country, running training courses, delivering things for clients. I was literally up and down the country um, working. So when lockdown happened, I was I was in Basingstoke. No, like, you need to come home. I, I was. I was in Basingstoke delivering a training course. Like, you need to come home. I'm like, you need to go back to York, basically, because um, we're locking down. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> because I didn't want to be stuck in another. I was so sick of traveling. So for me, it worked out great. I could actually live in the place I was paying rent for, which is amazing. Um, such, a, such a luxury and such a, God, such a first world problem. But, yeah, I was able to actually stay in the place I was paying rent for, which was um, a really opportune time. But, of course... The weekend before lockdown, I think I I went to a gig, and I had a gig, and like in that gig in York, it was the first gig I'd played outside of Girl actually, where oh, really? they weren't involved with it whatsoever. I was basically there's an open decks community at the Crescent Community Venue in York, amazing place. Um, I have to commend them for everything they've done during lockdown as well, which isn't I mean they they completely shut down because they haven't deemed it to be safe for their clients, mm. so they haven't actually reopened for quite a while. But they did that due to safety reasons and financial reasons. But honestly, it was a really awesome space for someone who loved DJ and loved music, um, but didn't have any friends <laughs> like I did. And I was told to make some friends, so I did. Um, and yeah, I, I got a gig and I played I played it and I met some amazing people, as, as I always do <laughs> for some reason. Um, I met some amazing people and actually, you know, we went out to a bar afterwards and it was great. And then all of a sudden it's locked down and I'm like, wow. You know, and some of these people I wasn't going to see again. Um, I think one of them was like this Russian guy I made friends with. Um, I think Mikhail, he was great as well. He got, he also got me into GOM as well because he was like, yeah, I've heard of like South African music and he was really into it. And I was like, maybe I need to read a bit more into it. And I did. Um, but I think he's moved. So that was a shame because I was like, I'm going to not see all my friends. Um, and that was really hard actually. And then on top of that, I had maybe six gigs planned, maybe five or six gigs planned. Um, just for the first half of the year, up mm. until July. Um, no, reaching into August as well, I think. I had so many plans, like almost, you know, every you know, every couple of weeks or so. And all of a sudden, there was none. Mm. <laughs> and I was just sort of thinking like, okay, um, I don't have a con I didn't have a controller, I didn't have as in like a pair of decks or anything to work with, so I was just kind of stuck. Um, and I saw everyone sort of making music and making mixes and stuff, and I was, felt so left out. Um, so mm. I saved up and got a controller, which really helped through lockdown. So I was able to practice, and I'm probably a much more confident DJ now than I was when I started. So for that, I have to credit lockdown, I guess, giving me the extra time and space to just play around with things. Mm. Um, and of course, there were opportunities to be on the radio, make mixes, um, showcase stuff, even just off my own back. Um, but it was really hard to stay motivated as well, as I'm sure you might have heard, uh, might have experienced as well. Um, but then again, you know, every now and again, it's like, Amina, would you like to do this for the radio? And I sort of, you know, gear myself up to it and think, okay, I'm going to create something and put it out there. And um, it got some good responses. I'm, I've been really, like, 
it's been hard it's different mixing at home versus mixing live i feel like you can get away with way more things live and there's you have a lot more chance to be very self-critical with yourself which can be a good thing can be a good thing can be good to look back and say oh could have done this differently but it got to a point where you know it was i felt so i felt like i wasn't progressing i sort of hit that plateau where i was like Mm. i've learned all these new tricks but i'm really struggling with everything else I have no inspiration. All my songs are exactly the same. I'm just going to stop for a bit because I can't be bothered and I just feel like nothing I'm doing is worth it. And it was a, quite a weird time where I was like not really into mixing and DJing and I was like just really bummed out because I was like I'd, I'd love to play live but I can't right now. And, mm. you know, it was it, it sucked. And I was so excited for this year as well. Um, you know, for, for many reasons as I'm sure everyone was. I mean, it's 2020. Everyone was so hyped about it. <laughs> Um, but you know this is also like the year I was like damn I've got like loads of gigs to go to uh, to play and you know all this all these opportunities and all of a sudden they're not there Mm. Um, but you know the people who have been organizing them and you know people who you know all basically everything that was that was going on you know everyone's in the same boat Um, and it has been an interesting and eye-opening experience you know learning to kind of make more precise mixes and make things and discover new stuff it's I basically Mm -hmm really took a deep dive into GOM over this year, really. Um, and I found some amazing tracks. I've even got one up here in, on Bandcamp that I'm ready to download and play about with tonight because I want to, you know, see what it's like. Um, so it has been... It's got its Damn, you got to tell us what that track is. You can't just drop know, that and then... I can't, can I? It, you tell it, us what the track is. <laughs> basically, the 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 uh, the collective is called GOM O, so um, they're all the sounds coming straight out of Durban on Bandcamp. Um, and this is by um, Griffith Vigo, which is one of the one of the pioneers of it as well. So I'm really looking forward to this particular one. I think it's a new release as well, mm. and I will probably send you the link um, at some Very point cool. as well, so you can listen to it because it's pretty sick. Yeah, thank you. Like that, and I'm really excited to muck about with it. It's only released. Well, it's supposed to be released in like three days, but they've got some preview tracks you can listen to. So mm. yeah, super excited for that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it has it has had its ups and its downs. Um, I mean, personally, I um, I like being at home a lot. I really enjoy it. <laughs> so for me, it's not been as hard. Um, but I know people have struggled um, with the not seeing people in person kind of aspect. Um, I mean, even I have to some degree as well. Like, you can't... We're human social species, so it's really difficult to, you know... Kind of, even though I can see you over the screen, you can't see me, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, but I can- I can see you, but of course, like, you know, um, it's not the same, is it, as seeing someone in person, so. So have you done any socially distanced events recently? You said you've got something coming up on, on Sunday, or is that an online event? That was supposed to be online, and then it was in person. Um, oh, wow. Which is kind of a 180. I kind of have to whip my head around and go, what? Mm. <laughs> because I was fully expecting I'd be able to take my time, make a mix at home, and I'm kind of getting into it now where I can make something really good at home. Mm. And all of a sudden, I'm on CDJs in front of people this Sunday, mm. 25 minutes. And yeah, um, this will be the first socially distanced event that I've done, um, which okay. is quite cool. I'm quite excited for it. Um, cause, but also nerve wracking. It's nerve wracking because mm. um, I don't practice on CDJs. I don't have anything close to a CDJ. I have a controller, um, which is a bit simplified so that it's easy to, to do stuff. Mm. Um, I mean, it's not to say that CDJs aren't easy, but they are uh, a different set of equipment that you have yeah. to use regularly to understand. 
Um, and it's been a while. It's been a long while. So hopefully it goes well. Hopefully I remember mm. how to DJ <laughs> because it's an event full of other established DJs and it's just yeah. me who's <laughs> been DJing for about, solidly for about a year, I should say. I mean, I've got more experience than that, but like mixing and making, you know, complex mixes and stuff. It's only been mm. a year. Um, so I'm looking forward to it, but it's also quite nerve wracking. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I can't really ask you about what your experience of of um, mm. of, uh, of a socially distanced dance event can be because I would, sure. obviously you're normally playing dance events, right? You're not going to be playing many sort oh, of seated. Played, I have played a gong. weird. I played, oh, really? um, oh no, it wasn't quite gone, but it was quite dancey. I played what? Sorry, I think I fully interrupted you there because I was oh, thinking, no. wait, I have, I have, wait. <laughs> um, but um, I played one of the Millennium Gallery in Sheffield. Oh, last right. year around this time and like everyone was at least 30 and over and everyone was sat down doing arts and crafts and there was me just like spinning these afro house tunes where you're yeah. like to like get up and dance and i'm just like um i hope you're enjoying this because no one's <laughs> dancing no one's moving everyone's just staring at me <laughs> but i had two of my friends turn up and it was funny because they turned up in full-on Halloween gear because it was October. Um, <laughs> and they were there in Halloween gear watching me sat at a table and everyone else is like 30 and over and they're just staring at me and I'm like, this is the weirdest gig I've ever played in my life. What am I doing here? And it's like, like things like shake your butt and like, things like that. And everyone's just sat down staring at me. Wow. But they did say they enjoyed it, which was nice. But I was like, yeah, <laughs> this is strange. But I got paid. Hey, it was all good. Sick. But, it's like yeah. a music video or something in that. That's such a strong aesthetic. Like this stuffy art gallery. Yeah. With people in Halloween costumes listening to Afrobeat. Just that. Yeah. That, oh, that's that's everything I want to embody as an artist. Yeah. That's the kind of chaos that's I want exactly to put out. Yeah. Sort of like, just, what is it? Like the most dissonant thing. Like it's intersectional. It's, oh, <laughs> like just two of my, two my friends in Halloween gear. Everyone else is like, no offence, but in like mom clothes and up. <laughs> no offence, mom, there. but they were dressed like you. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, just like you know, like you know, not dance clothes. Okay, no one was in there yeah. like a skirt or like whatever. There were a couple of people who were younger as well, and everyone was sat down. And I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> let's do it. Um, so you're yeah. expecting Sunday to be a little bit like that then? Like, what, what's what's your what's bit. your approach? How is your approach going to change? That I think that's what I'm. Mm -hmm. There, you go. there's there's a good question. Yeah. How how is your approach going to going to change playing dance mm -hmm. music? To an audience you can't dance. Yeah. Are you going to I feel think... responsible? Like, is it going to be a try not to dance to this, or is it yeah. going to be I'm going to purposely <laughs> scale it back so you don't feel like moved to to boogie? Yeah. Like, no, I think that's really interesting. I've been thinking about it as well for quite a while, but I I think that it's quite good because it allows me to get really sort of kind of cerebral. That's, that's such a deep mm. word for what, for something very simple. But you know, when it comes to when it comes to the kind of gum I want to play as well, it's not. It's danceable. You can dance to it, of course. There's like a beat to it. You know, you can dance to it. I'm sure you can. But I often find it, for me, when I'm listening to it, it's it's very much... It's quite hypnotic. And I feel like there isn't much else that I can do other than, like, listen to it. You know what I mean? Or, like, bop my head to it a little bit. Do you know? But, like, I can yeah. really feel it and I can really get into it and I can absorb every part of the song from, like... You know the low, mid, and high parts of the song. I can see how they all play with one another, and maybe that's because I DJ and I tamper around with different elements of the music, so I can mix it together. Um, but I also want people to to listen to that too, because when you're mixing like dance music, it, it can you you can make it sound cool, and as long as it blends, 
you're okay. Um, but you don't really pay much attention to these things. You just want to get the blend right. But I kind of want to focus on getting the different channels of each song to play with one another more because mm. it's quite good that I work with kind of like similar sounding artists. I mean, they're all very different, but they all come from the same place, if that makes sense. So a lot of mm. the themes within each song are very similar. They're all produced, you know, really well produced as well to the point where you can alter different channels for that each song. So um, you can sort of play around with it and sort of pull one song into another with the bass and then you can kick up the bass and turn the bass down. So there's so many things you can do and I'm really excited to like play around with that and get really into it. I just hope I can pull it off on CDJ. <laughs> I think a lot of it's going to be me looking very puzzled for about 25 minutes um, at this control, at the CDJ. But I think that approach-wise, I think it allows me, I'm trying to think of, you know, the positives of it because of course I would love to play. There's some songs I'm like, this would absolutely bang if I played mm. But <laughs> no, it's low volume uh, as part of the government restrictions. Yeah. It's low volume um, as well. So again, I don't. I don't think some of those absolute bangers, quote unquote, um, would come through in quite the same way. <laughs> so yeah, keep an eye out for other events. Um, find black DJs. Find Asian DJs. Find something that's so far of your comfort zone you never thought you'd listen to, and go with it and see where it takes you and sort of respect, sort of, you know, dig into the history and the roots of what you listen to because you'll find things in there that you'll you'll never have thought of in your life and it'll just open your eyes up to so many things. And I think that's all I'd really like to say, really, when it comes to music in general, whatever you listen to.